so excited to have Uruak Nakanga with us today. She is a 23-year-old politician from Dallas, Texas. Not only is she beauty and brains, she is the trailblazer to look out for. Whether that's leading the Roe v. Wade protest or calling for change, this young lady is on a mission. I don't even like calling you a young lady because you're doing some big things. <laughs> How are you, you doing today? I'm really, really good. I woke up on the wonderful, beautiful side of the bed this morning. That's good. Um, I just feel, feel really blessed to be here and really happy that you even reached out and found me worthy enough to be on your platform. Girl, but. you better stop. Like, the, <laughs> like when I saw that you are the age that you are and doing what you're doing, you know, I said to you when I was 23 years old, I can't even think about what I was thinking about, you know what I mean? The fact that you want to be impactful, you know, I think you're like reshaping the way that people do view or see Gen Z's because you're someone that's really, really making a change. And I just like, before we get really into it, I just want to ask you why this career path? So where do I even begin? Um, just even me being 23 and people tell me that a lot, I still even feel like I'm not doing enough. What? Yes. Like, I don't know if it's just me being hard on myself or just me not seeing the change happen fast enough. I just feel like it's just, I don't know, it's just something that I struggle with internally. But um, just a little bit about myself. I've been in the realm of like civil equity work, advocacy work, um, and like organizing since I was about 14, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, So about almost 10 years, not 10 years yet, but almost 10 years. Feels longer, not going to lie. Um, but yeah, I've worked on a major presidential campaign back in 2020. Wow. I've worked with SLU Law School. I was president of a forming national chapter of National Congress of Black Women here in Dallas, Texas. Wow. Um, and the list goes on. I'm, I ain't trying to and lose you feel, myself. And you, feel like, like, <laughs> and you feel like you're not doing enough. Girl, 23 years old, you're the president of an entire organization, mm-hmm. for one. On top of that, you literally were here, like, basically on the front lines of the Roe v. Wade protest. Mm-hmm. You're also, like, you're, you're grat, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, got, you got a lot to look forward to, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just crazy. Like, I think that's just imposter syndrome. Yeah, probably. You're killing it. I feel like it just comes with, like, um, just being a black woman in this space, just giving mm-hmm. enough credit when credit is due. And I yeah. just think that's something that I do acknowledge I'm struggling with, but do plan on getting better at but um that's just a little bit about me and just like coming into the space I feel like I never really technically picked to be here more so guided to be here um growing up I was part of like programs like youth and government like where Mm -hmm. we'll go to the state capitol every year and like create and argue bills and so forth and I kind of just like grew my way into politics and in law and that's kind of like where it became where it began wow so you started doing this when you were 14, 15 years old? Yes. And, like, a lot of people applaud that, but, like, I never want to normalize that. I don't yeah, want to. Yeah. To be 14 and 15 years old, and I think, like, going back to race and being a black woman, mm-hmm. that's an early age to understand the weight of the world. And that's not something that a lot of non-black <clears throat> children have to experience. Exactly. So the simple fact that you're 14, 15 years old having to worry about the weight Exactly. In the world that you're that you're living in. Mm-hmm. And you basically said, like, you know, th- it's not really something that I chose. It's something that I kind of maneuvered in, maneuvered in. Mm-hmm. It's like unfortunate, too, because you no one wants to have children as young as that, like going on the streets, protesting for like women rights and mm-hmm. um, basic necessities. I don't I feel like that's another key reason why I fight so hard now, yeah. because I know eventually when I bring kids into this world, by any means necessary, I refuse for them to go through what, like, I had to go through or normalize this type of, like, work, you know? Wow, that's, like, a really powerful thing to say. Mm-hmm. No, like, I, <laughs> that there's, like, this whole, like, this phenomenon that I always hear about, and it's literally about black young girls having to grow up fast. Exactly. And not even, like, grow up fast in a sense, like, being for one you know there's that sexualization factor for one there's also mm-hmm. that but there's also that mindset um and it makes me think of like I don't know if you've heard of Ta-Nehisi Coates but he talks about mm-hmm. between the world and me yes and it's just like between the world and you and what is going to happen in between that mm-hmm. you know what I mean yes. so it's just like and it's also sad to hear that you know you're 23 and you still feel like 
you're still trying to figure it out. hundred you know percent. I mean? A lot of times, like a lot of people, they even look at me or reach out to me and they see as if I have it at all, like figured out mm-hmm. in this day and age. It's just like, I'm figuring out just like you, like, you know what I mean? We just take it day by day at this given point, but, but yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> so how do you like balance your mental health? Mental health is a big, big part in this type of work because I had to learn and I'm still learning and I'm very like transparent. Like I don't pretend that I have all the answers Mm -hmm. or pretend that I have it all together, but I'm still learning not to internalize other people's problems in the work that I do. Um, A lot of times I do, I feel like that's where the devil tries to attack me is my my mental health, my mentality, like psychologically. I feel like he comes at people in different directions of where he knows it can hurt them most. So he puts the self-doubt, he tries to put self-doubt in me. He tries to put, um, oh, I'm not good enough. Like the, um, kind of like always second guessing myself yeah. and like internalizing other people's problems and like so forth. But mental health, I feel like this year is probably the healthiest my mental health has ever been. It's just like reassurance, my relationship with God, just uh, just putting myself in a mindset to where I was physically, like handcrafted specifically for a certain purpose. Mm. And once I acknowledged that, like, nobody could tell me nothing, nothing. Um, Even just coming off of just the campaign that I just was recently on, or not recently on, but as I don't know if the audience knows, but I'm a former Democratic candidate for State House. So even just coming off that campaign and just getting so much negativity. It's mentally taxing. Exactly, because... a key thing, something about that campaign is that I ran against an incumbent and they were part of the same party as me. So a lot of people felt as if it was a form of like, wait your turn, disrespect. So I was getting yeah. emails as far as like, oh, you're a disgrace to democracy and this, then a third, not knowing I'm a human being before a political position. Yes. Not knowing I'm a person before this temporary like position, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like it did, I'm not going to lie, it did get to me in the um, middle of the campaign. Mm -hmm. Like in the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't care. Like, you know, I was trying to play that role of like, you can't break me until the middle of the campaign. It did start to get to me. And this is where I say shout out to Jessica Mason too. She ran for Congress and she even reached out. I reached out to her and she would reach out to me and just like make sure I was good. She was another black woman in kind of like a similar um, situation. But just stuff like that. It's just like, that's where I just, that's why I say this year specifically was like the best year my mental health has been because the stuff that I've been through, even just yeah. as a young age, and now I'm starting to like deal with it, knowing how to like deal with it and not just like sweep my feelings under the rug, if that makes sense. No, um, was something you said that like, it honestly gave me chills. Like when you said like learning to separate other people's problems from my own especially in this Mm -hmm. career field where there are a lot of issues hitting you like Mm -hmm. left and right like you have to basically pay attention to a lot of different things um and it's just like a lot of the things that are going on in the world right now are personally affecting you as well like roe v wade and everything and like we're gonna you know i do want to talk about white liberalism Mm -hmm. because that is its own that is its own thing that is its own period and we don't (laughs) we don't we don't talk about that enough because sometimes you know as black people and people that are a part of like a certain group or a certain party we aren't we oftentimes aren't represented in that like at 100%. all um white liberalism can be its own beast not saying all white liberals are like that but with my own personal experience i know how that goes especially mm-hmm. going to a predominantly white institution where it is a complete liberal school it was very 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 exhausting and incredibly mentally taxing because mm-hmm. um, it's just like there's a lot of different things a lot of different factors that you have to kind <coughs> of pay attention to you know you still have to code switch in those those rooms those spaces those spaces they're they're not completely down you know what i mean so it's just oh girl there's like i feel like there's just so much to like unpack right now yes i'm glad you even brought that up because it's like like for example when you brought up um roe v wade right now like okay so i work in policy right now that's my current occupation that's um where I put majority of my time into for the AFIA Center. Yeah. The AFIA Center is a black, the first and only current black-led um, resource center that's directed and created by black women and ran by black people. And wow, so, I didn't yes, even know that. Located here in Dallas. So shout out to them. If y'all see this, I'm going to send it to y'all. 
No, for real. What's <laughs> yeah. the name again? Afia Center. Because I want to put that in the thing. Yeah, A-F-I-Y-A Center. They are doing amazing, amazing work. And I'm just even happy to even be um, accepted into that space of the work that they do. But, um, but yeah, just in regards to Roe v. Wade and the work that we do there, just in policy, for example, um, it is important that we incorporate those that it disproportionately affects in the conversation. Yeah. So when we speak about white liberalism, we want to make sure that when we go, like, for example, when we go to these protests and when we go to these rallies, majority of the people that come out, they're 90% white women, mm-hmm. 110%. So when we're speaking to them, we're, out, we're trying to express to them, allow us to lead this movement because y'all have led it for years and decades prior and y'all didn't even include us in the movement that y'all were leading back then. So when we're saying, like, let us lead and y'all protect us while we lead, allow that grace space. And a lot of them, they don't fully comprehend what we mean by that. Mm -hmm. No matter how much we try to break it down, no matter how much we try to explain to them, the last rally that we had on June 29th, I believe, we said, it's going to be a rally. We're not marching. We didn't um, plan the police to come or anything. It's just going to be a rally. After the rally, they felt otherwise. They wanted to march. They wanted to go in the streets. They wanted to stop traffic. So never really actually fully being allies with us. Exactly. And we specifically wanted it as a rally for a specific reason. Yeah. So after that, there was stuff that happened, and people were texting my phone. People were texting um, coordinators from T-Fund and, like, asking them, oh, are you okay? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Like, we're getting blamed for something that the white people were doing that's why we specifically said we want it to be yes. a rally because if anything goes wrong, we are getting blamed yes. for it. You know what I mean? They're coming back to the people of color. They're coming back to the black woman. Why did you let this happen? Why did you do this? But yeah. it's just like they just have to allow that grace period. Let us lead. Like hear us and listen to yes. us and protect us while we lead, you know? No, you like the hundred – like so – Whenever, like, I think about white feminism and I think about white liberalism and how they tie together, mm-hmm. um, I always think about, um, like, Susan B. Anthony, you mm-hmm. know, who was a racist. Mm-hmm. You know, she said she'd rather cut off her arm than give the ballot to the N-word. Mm-hmm. And this is the same room that Sojourner Truth was in. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't know that the first um, the first feminist was a black woman. A hundred percent. And the only successful movements that we've ever seen in our entire history were black led, the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when you see like the Chicano movement or you see see the Asian American movement, if you look, read through their history books, it literally said that they took note from the civil rights movement because the civil rights movement was the only one to do it right. A hundred percent. And so a lot of times white women, and especially with Roe v. Wade, they don't understand that that black women are four times more likely to die during childbirth. Mm-hmm. You know, the 80% of the American population is made up of white, white people. Mm-hmm. So the simple fact that we are dying at higher rates mm-hmm. and there's less of us, there, exactly. there's, there's also that. And another thing, I remember when I was, not to like make this about me, but I remember when no, I was in good. college, Tarana Burke came to my school. And mm-hmm. this is the founder of the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. specifically started for women of color. We don't hear about Tarana Burke. At all. We don't. At all. She came to my school, and they put her in the cafeteria to speak. At American University, they put Tarana Burke, the founder of the Me Me Too movement, movement. the biggest feminist movement in the world right now, Mm -hmm. in the cafeteria. And a lot of people don't know that the Me Too movement was originated from Tarana Burke, a A black black woman. woman. A black woman. A black woman. If y'all want a history lesson... (laughs) Let them know. Let them know. That's because I have my own personal, like, you know, there is something so dangerous about white feminism. Mm -hmm. And it's just like my, like, so my white friend, like my, I have maybe a handful of close white girlfriends and we Mm -hmm. always have these conversations and they have literally made it their mission to use their white privilege to elevate lesser voices of people, our voices. And they, and and they are back there like funding and helping and stuff, but they're Mm -hmm. not trying to take over. Over. It's just like learn, learn, and be listen. a part and listen because we're listen. not ex- we're not excluding y'all. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing with white feminism. It's just almost as if even the whew, even the <laughs> like know. people the, are gonna be mad at this podcast. They I can, do not care. You can cry yourself to sleep. Like I don't but, care. But you at know this something? Point, what I've been noticing a lot of times, like since I've been on social media and TikTok. To be honest, I think black women have just we're just done saying things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of white women calling 
each other out on it like mm. literally like i saw one video I like that yes because some i hate to say it but because it's so much more impactful when a white person is saying it than than us saying it. exactly I hate to they say actually it. hear they, they listen they'll hear us but they'll listen to they'll, a white woman yes yes so one woman she like made a post and like um i forgot the girl's name i forgot i'm so mad at myself i forgot the name but she she's an icon i'll try to insert a clip here but she's an icon and um she like made a comment and she was just basically saying like y'all not gonna own my body and it was like a famous line like it was a famous line that she that she said she said it two years ago she predicted that this was going to happen and oh are you talking about um i think she's biracial but she was at a protest march and then she was saying my body she was basically saying my body my choice it's not a political playground yes yes yes. i know you mean so there was these two white feminists Mm -hmm. who literally have made so much money from kid you not regurgitating everything that she said on stage like Mm. they literally took it and it's just like it sucks because Mm -hmm. no one's gonna know that this girl was the one that actually said it y'all just Mm -hmm. made money off of it y'all have excluded us from it Mm -hmm. and then the comparison that you know like we're like life is like um handsmaids tell right now Mm. it i don't know why that that comment just really bothers me a lot like it's it you're saying that it's like handsmaids tell it's been like handsmaids tell for black women our entire life exactly it's like they don't really care unless they're personally affected yes and it's like not even in the scope of roe v wade just culturally in general it's like anytime a black woman does or say something here comes a white woman or a white man or whiteness trying to cover up and take what they did with the whole TikTok renegade, like, yeah. <laughs> come on now, like, it's it's almost, it's constantly, it's constantly. It's exhausting. Yeah, it's almost like we're numb to it at this point, and that's sad to say out loud, but no. that's facts. It's, you know, I want to ask you this question. Do you think it is possible to, because I ask myself this question all the time, mm-hmm. do you think that it's possible to exist blissfully not blissfully, that's not the right word. Do you think it's possible to exist in this world as a black person without, I want to say, without, like, the heartache? Like, do you think it's possible for us to exist, like, to just just, just be completely happy? Mm. I think that's kind of, like, that can be looked at as subjective, too, because it's, like, is it possible for us to exist and not experience like a form of racism or any type of oppression? Is that what you're trying to say? Or mm. to be honest, I think it's impossible because just by birth itself, like look at the numbers of the statistics that black women have to go through just mm-hmm. as simple as giving birth because they're these medical people who are medical doctors and nurses, they're being taught or being told that a black woman can take much more pain than a white woman. Just as small as like a woman, a black woman just yeah having their child like that or that right there is just already a form of medical racism so yeah. it's almost impossible for me maybe i don't know maybe just me personally i just think it's in, it's almost impossible in this american system for a black person to live or exist and not uh, not experience some form of racism oppression yeah. or bigotry or yeah yeah, yeah, I would say that's unless you're just like completely ignorant to, to it, it, and you actually like being 100 percent tokenized, then that, that might be that might be it. And like going back to what you said, even about like the because like this this Roe v Wade is a really big thing. 100%. It really is a big thing, and we don't talk about the infant mortality rate and stuff. And like you just like made a point about like even like medical racism, like. Mm-hmm. I remember when Serena Williams literally mm-hmm. was giving birth and her doctors didn't even believe her. Exactly. This is a per- this is a woman that has like won so many championships for our country, mm-hmm. a country that doesn't even love her or represent her or support her or support her, you know, and there's like I feel like even like, you know, sometimes I see like a lot of, you know, black people too who do very well, who go off and do very well. They can't run away from the racism either. Exactly. There was even one man, I forgot his name, Forgive me, but he was at the bank and he was just trying to withdraw. I think it was 10k, and he wrote it on a note that yeah. he was just trying to withdraw that amount and not, not say it out loud like a yeah. normal person. He was yeah. in Atlanta, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And like the cops were called, and the woman was like the whole situation was kind of like iffy. I'm just like if it's in his it's, account, exactly. And he gave the card and everything, so it's just like you can't escape it. Like the way that the system was created is cre. The only way to even fix it, if it, even if it's still possible in today's day and age, you have to dismantle this entire yeah. system. 
Like we're trying so hard to reform. You can't reform a system that was not meant for us. Oof, then what do you do? Dismantle it. <laughs> Tear it down. <laughs> Tear it down. No, like, but for real Because right now what they're trying to do is just erase the history as if we won't remember, as if we're yeah. tripping or anything. Yeah. Like they're trying to refrain and take stuff away from yeah. like social studies history critical mm-hmm. race theory and so forth they're trying to erase it because they're ashamed of what of what and how they treated black people in this country yeah but no we we can't we reform can't, this we can't reform it like especially like texas is such an interesting like place mm-hmm. and it needs it needs so much help it really does mm-hmm. um I remember there was a there's a, actually a, pr- a principal that recently got fired because mm-hmm. he was um, he was like going against the grain. He's like, no, I'm going to teach these kids about slavery and mm-hmm. racism. And he got fired because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just like I just like feel like when we like have like these conversations in these discussions. Do you think that. Let me, like, try to figure out how to answer, ask mm-hmm. this question because... And I did want to add to, like, the principle that you're speaking about. I need to look into that story. There was also a similar story um, with the Board of Educations. It was um, proposed for them to reword slavery as a form of voluntary work, in a sense. Oh, no. Yes, it's getting Stop. that bad. So that's why whenever we look at these races, these local races, like not only statewide, but city-wise, yeah. people who are in charge of our education and so forth, it's important that we put people in these places who are intact with reality. Because if not, the what we're seeing now is going to unfold. Yeah, and just kind of bloom even worse than what it is. 100%. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't even know all that. Yeah, it's... It's bad. How do you feel about, um, so lately I've been like seeing like, especially with like this Roe v. Wade and everything that's going on, a lot of black women are deciding to leave the United States. 100%. I've even thought about it. 100%. Leave. If you can, I'm telling you right now, like it sounds bad coming from me, but I'm telling you right now, if you have the means to leave, then leave, leave. Like in my mind, in my headspace, I don't want to say like, my future plans because you know people will prey on your downfall <laughs> no 100 like, percent. you got to be careful what you say yeah because people they, they hear that note and they take it and they run with it exactly but in my mind space i'm telling you if you find peace like there's a lot of people who are moving to mexico a lot of people are moving to um, portugal Europe. exactly if you find peace in these other countries leave that what this country continues to do is trying to put up this American dream. Yeah. Like, there's no country out there better than this country. Yeah. Other countries, like, you know, like, growing up seeing commercials of certain spaces and of, like, Africa and, like, Senegal and, like, all these other, like, different continents and countries, um, they're trying to put up this imagery of what there's nothing better than what you have here. So I really, really, really black women, black men out there, travel and go yes because we are everywhere and they don't want us to know that exactly like i remember i had went to i was just in italy recently and i was just like there are black people in italy Mm -hmm. and another thing that i've noticed like since traveling is like a lot of times they don't have any propaganda on their tv like i remember Mm. when i was in canada i was just like there's no propaganda Mm. they're not putting pharmaceutical drugs on there they're not telling people to go buy these marlboro cigarettes or anything Mm. like that they're literally like exercising like your tax money is going somewhere things Mm -hmm. kind of make a little bit more sense there you know Mm -hmm. um places have their own unique issues but Mm -hmm. no one's walking around with a gun Mm -hmm. i see what you mean 100 percent. and another thing about like compared to there to here like a lot of times like why black people like why they're even deemed like african-american or like they just say black is because that's pretty much their culture like a lot of them because of this history of this this country they have no means of tracing back what they are yes. so their black culture that is their culture that's who they are they're black yes so like that's why it's a lot of people say oh why can this white person put like cornrows in their hair they can't do this they do that like they they they're protective of their culture because that's who they are that's all they have you know what i mean yeah. and it's not even like black people's fault it's this system's fault it's yes. like y'all created this and then y'all get mad when we're living in it Yes, exactly. Like, I was reading this book, like, I don't know if you know who Franz Fanon is, but like, he, so um, when I was like in college, I took like a bunch of like critical race theory classes. So Mm -hmm. Franz Fanon, I'm actually going to, because I feel like you would love it. Mm -hmm. I'm like a history buff. So like, I'm obsessed with like reading about like the returning and like returning back to like Africa and Mm -hmm. stuff. And they, they, he literally talks about it's impossible to return. Mm. because there's no origin story there's there's nothing like to completely return to 
Mm. And like I had, I was like watching this documentary called High on the Hawk, and like it's just so it's it's insane the impact that black Americans have had on our country as a whole. Mm. And they even talked about the importance of rice, how rice was one of the first things that came to America and Mm -hmm. how white Americans were not able to cultivate it. Mm -hmm. So that's when like the Atlantic slave trade became such a big thing because they needed us over here to make sure that their people and the people of their culture could eat. eat. And it's just like, you know, you being a young politician and it's just, it's a lot of pressure and a lot of weight for you to have to come back up and try to sweep up stuff that's literally been happening for hundreds and hundreds exactly. and hundreds of years. Because it's just like, what can you do as a black person? Exactly. They're going to, they're going to, they make comments saying, oh, you're too pro-black, you're too this way. Okay, well, until I am like treated like a black person in this country, I'm going to continue to be pro-black. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing else for me to do. Exactly. And it's also like, it can be, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but it's almost as if, like, a lot of people even ask what keeps you going, what keeps you going. Because sometimes in the beginning of the work, it's like, why do I have to clean up the mess that I didn't create? Exactly. Like, why do I have to be that person? Why do I have to make that sacrifice? But sometimes that sacrifice has to be meant. If you want better for whoever walks after you, you have to make that sacrifice. And that's, like, that's the sacrifice that's being made currently, you know? Dang. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it's like i told you like when we, when we do the like the pot i'm gonna edit this part out i told you when we do like the podcast like you just when you start conversating you start kind of going everywhere you know yeah. what i mean like it's just like one of those things mm-hmm. girl i'm like talking to you i'm like kind of getting emotional oh don't get emotional i'm just like you God, can leave damn. this part in it's okay <laughs> he's like you say you can leave this part in. i'm dead okay so my question to you is what has been the most difficult decision you've had to make to be where you are now the most difficult decision I had to personally make was not going straight into law school. Um, I would say because that and also deciding to run for a state house at 22. I was 22 at the time, but because I was like, oh, 22. Oh, my goodness. But um, yes. the first difficult decision was not going straight into law school. And that was probably the best decision I have ever made in my life. Um, me personally, the person that I used to be and something that I'm still like trying to overcome is letting go and allowing God. I was so in control of my life as far as structure, as far as, oh, I'm graduating early. I'm going to graduate at 21. I'm going to go straight into law school. And then once I go straight into law school, I'm going to graduate at 24. And then I'm going to study five months for my bar, six months. And then I'm going to be a working lawyer by 20. Like everything is so structured. Like I'm making all these plans, but I'm not in like implementing God in my plans. I'm not asking him, is this what you created for me? I'm not asking him, is this where you want me at this given moment, at this given time? And so I was just getting signs that like law school is not your time right now. Like law school is always going to be there. I need you Mm -hmm. in this space. I need you in this space. And I need you in this space. I need you to go through this campaign so you can learn how to speak to people. I need you to go to this, go through this campaign so that you can get mentally strong. I need to go through this campaign so that I can show you a glimpse of what I'm creating you for the impact that you may have. You may not see it now, but I'm working for, I'm working on you now. So where like five years from now, 10 years from now, you're going to look back and it's all going to make sense. And so that's where it just came to realization that um, whenever I decided not to go straight in, um, that full year, I was basically just working as a state um, for the state. I was working as a paralegal. Yeah. Um, wow. I was making good money. I'm not going to lie. Good Paralegal. Mo- yeah. I'm not going to lie. Girl, say that's hum- good. Thank you. I say it humbly, though, but I was working from home, good benefits, making yeah. good money. And honestly, I was just like, what do I need law school for? I'm making this amount of money. I'm working from home and so forth. Got to keep then, going. Exactly. And God said, you're too comfortable. Yeah. And so he started showing me signs. He was, um, he put two people, um, one person in particular, um, I've known him since I was at UNT. Yeah. He was just saying, hey, have you ever thought about running for so-and-so? You should run. doop de doop and whatever. I was like, oh, no, I'm good, you know. And then um, another person, the presidential camp candidate that I used to work for back in 2020, I'll just say his name's not a secret, Better O'Rourke. Um, he was yeah. in Paul Quinn in That's Oak good. Cliff. And he even said to me, he was just saying, um, I think it's on video too. I don't know the exact words, but he was basically saying like, um, instead of looking for other people to do the change you want to see, it's time for you to run for public office. He didn't specify, but he was just saying, it's time for you to run for public office. And so it was just certain signs, certain like, just stuff like calling. Yes. So that's whenever I just started doing research. Um, I started doing research on the current 
candidate and I was seeing holes yeah. within, um, and this is not shade or anything. This is just me being completely transparent because I don't want to just run just for a title. I don't want to just run just yeah. for a name. Um, I want to run for impact and I wanted to see where will I be most impactful in. And so that's whenever I started doing research on candidates that were in my district, yeah. that were my representation and the state house is what specifically um, caught my eye, and the rest is history. Um, I declared to run. I think I came on saying I was officially running in August of last year. Yeah. Um, I made the ballot like a month prior to the deadline, which was November. That's still a mile. That's that's yeah, good. A hundred percent. And it's just like this random girl comes out of nowhere, no money. And surprising no. people. Exactly. Like they didn't take no one they didn't take seriously at first. And then once they started seeing the work, yeah, the grassrooting, the organizing, even yeah. though we lost by large margins, but just the impact that college students from diff like outside of our yeah. district just reaching out and speaking and just like small stuff like that. They're like, She may not win, but her her potential is dangerous. Very and, dangerous. And that's what I was just like grasping on. That's why I tell people all the time, while you're doubting yourself, others are fearing your yes. potential. And that was just the case of the matter. And the re- since then, like life has just been blessings after blessings after blessings, you know. That's insane. Yeah. No, for real. Like, honestly, like the f- you're 23, so it's going to be crazy to see what you're doing when you're 33. Mm-hmm. You know, you might honestly be like, I know this is probably just like really big thing to say, but there's a potential that you could maybe be in office someday mm-hmm. you know um what issues matter to you most like at, <clears throat> in this moment like what matters to you most does it change right. frequently or is there just one thing that you're really set on that you want to fix i feel like for me it changes not that it changes but my focus alters mm-hmm. so like obviously reproductive justice and reproductive freedom a mm-hmm. lot of times when we say that people just think oh it's just abortion but reproductive justice and freedom that covers everything since A birth lot. we're talking about living costs. We're talking about acknowledging the economic disparities. We're talking about rent stabilizations. We're talking about basic living basics that yeah. people are should be um, blessed with since birth. In privacy. Exactly. And, uh, and, and a lot of people don't know that, you know, Roe v. Wade opened up a door for a lot of things. It opened mm-hmm. the door for LGBTQIA marriages. It mm-hmm. opened the door for basically um, interracial relationships mm-hmm. and stuff, too. People don't really care about things unless it's like affecting them. Exactly. You know? And it's and that's why I tell them all the time, it may not be you today, it can be you tomorrow. Yes. They're plotting and they're planning. Yes. So it's just like don't get too comfortable saying, Oh, it's a, it, I'm just minding my business. I just get money. That's what I hear a lot and that's my pet peeve. Yeah. I just get money. I'm just getting money. I'm take as long as me and my family are good, we you know what I mean? But it affects all of us. It's a domino effect. It is a, it is a domino effect because it's just like Someone around you has been affected by Roe v. Wade. Exactly. And in some shape or form, it, it's probably benefited them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, you know, if someone is sexually assaulted mm-hmm. or if someone, if there's a person in college or simply a simple fact that a woman just doesn't want the baby right exactly. now. Exactly. Especially with the way of the world. There's there's formula shortages. There's coronaviruses like like popping it's up. Yeah. It's, it, there's a lot of issues and stuff. And um. You know, going back to like a lot of things that we talked about, like with, you know, white liberalism and like how it can be like a little dangerous and stuff Mm -hmm. and like um, how oftentimes like people don't really think about things unless it's like really affecting them. them. Um, You know, there are a lot of men that just don't really necessarily necessarily care about Mm -hmm. what's going on. I have like a lot of, you know, gay white male friends who you know, they're not really necessarily like affected by Roe v. Wade, but we were having the conversations and I was just saying, you know, like Roe v. Wade opened the door for LGBTQIA Mm -hmm. relationships um, and marriages. And then I also like think about, I'm in an interracial relationship too. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm a black woman, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, maybe someday I want to have kids, Exactly. but it's also like, this also changes like in vitro. Like Mm -hmm. I was even considering getting my eggs frozen next year. Like that was a plan. Literally. Yeah. So it's just like, I can't do that now. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Like, if I don't want to have kids right now and I plan to have them when I'm 35, 40, I want to be able to do that. Exactly. I'm trying to get my eggs out while they're young. You exactly. Know what I mean? <laughs> and you're not the only one. A lot. That's very common. That's very, very, very common. Um, and I, I also wanted to say, like, uh, the whole thing when it comes to just a woman being able to choose if she wants to parent or just someone being able to choose yeah. if they want to be a parent, a common 
argument that you hear from specifically the GOP is that they pull these cards saying, oh, you're killing babies, you're this, you're that, you're, you know what I mean? So in my head, I'm saying if they actually cared, if they genuinely cared, mm-hmm. instead of taking away the abortions, instead of yeah. taking the right of a, the right that someone has to choose if they want to be a yeah. parent or not, why are you not looking at the bigger picture? Why are you not looking at the driving factors of what's driving women to these abortion clinics if you truly cared in their argument? So if you're saying, oh, they're killing babies, this, and the third, that's just putting a bandage over a womb that hasn't been cleaned, yeah. just taking away abortions. Like, yeah. you're not looking at 40% of women who obtain abortions because of their current economic status. status. You're not looking at that because it's a control <laughs> thing. They don't care. So people need to stop putting up this fake facade that they care, when they, they care don't. about the children, this, that, that, they do not care. They don't. They do not care. If you truly cared, if you were so pro-life, stop smoking. Stop drinking every weekend. Yeah. If you're no, truly 100%. pro-life, like, and on top of that. Or guns. Let's have gun reform. Exactly. Let's get, let's get some, let's get like some laws in there because obviously y'all don't want to get rid of them. So let's just try to figure out a way exactly. to maintain them. And then on top of that, when we do talk about women Gunner. not having money to raise their children and stuff, you know, they end up going to Section 8, you know, mm-hmm. and the number one group of women that are on Section 8 are white women, mm-hmm. you know. But then on top of that, when you look at the laws and regulations for black women who are on Section, Section 8, 8, a lot of people don't know that the man is not allowed to be in the household. House. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of these children being raised without parents and father figures, and then women are left to kind of mm-hmm. thin that. And then if you have a man that does come in and wants to help, they end up finding you. They take away your section eight and then on top of that you you get put out on the street you know you end up having to pay like this this huge fine and stuff because it's just like it's not really a win-win it's like beating them beating them when they're already down and it's like another thing that i have a problem with and i don't care whose feelings this hurts is the level of hypocrisy too because the same people who are making these bills that are so oh against abortion and so forth Ask them how many of them are secretly funding abortions behind closed doors to for their families for their yeah to or hide for, to hide their marriage infidelities. Yes, let's talk about yes, that. Yes. But they don't want to talk about that yes, though. Exactly. Like go up to Capitol Hill. Let's talk about those politicians. Yes. Now if we start pulling names, we'll be in the wrong though, right? Simple fact that this law completely got overturned. That's very alarming to mm-hmm. me. And even just like having the Kavanaugh, the sexual allegations he had, he's sitting on the highest seat of the of the land. Trump, the allegations he had, the video that we heard, the video that we heard, it played. (laughs) I promise you, if Obama, if that was Obama in the situation, all hell would break loose. No, for real. Like, it's just this level of, like, double standard, this level of, like, hypocrisy, contradicting. And it's, like, almost as if when people like me or people that look like me enter these spaces that weren't created for us, we're supposed to uphold this level of white professionalism that they created. Yeah, yeah. But you're oh, okay. But you're doing you're doing this, yeah, this, this, okay. this, this and that and that yeah. and that. And this I'm not and a math major, but something yes. not adding up. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not adding up. It's just like I just you know I want to understand like whenever you have like these kind of situations because we're in Texas. Mm-hmm. You're a 23 year old young black politician in Texas. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you would try to like? continue to proceed to to do like work in the texas i don't know i don't know the right words sector oh, like in the state of texas like stay here and yeah. work from here honestly have you considered honestly. but but sometimes i also think you know because texas is like such a red state right mm-hmm. it's actually not as red as people think that's the really yes like when you look at the numbers a lot of times that's why i get mad whenever a lot of like nationally uh-huh. like they don't give a lot of national attention to texas politics as far as like our governor race right now because they think oh it's so far gone like yeah. if you look at i use Beto for example because i feel like what Love he's Beto. doing yeah what he's doing as far as like he started well not he didn't start it i'm not gonna give him credit for that but he highlighted the, the importance of like door-to-door, grass-rooting. Yeah, like, yeah. he visited every county during his Senate race. Wow. And the margins between him and Ted Cruz were so close. I think that's the closest it ever been in wow. Texas history. So with him running for governor, I really personally think he deserves more national recognition, yeah. more national um, support to actually defeat um, current um, Governor Greg Abbott. But I think people see Texas as, you're so far right, it's not even worth putting yeah. money into. Yeah. You're so far right that it's not even worth like highlighting, yeah. which I really disagree because the numbers, it's like, it's not that far off. It's yeah. really not that far off. Yeah. 
That's so. I'm happy you said that because I've have I have friends. Most of my friends are on the East Coast, so they're mm-hmm. in like very liberal areas. They're like, "Girl, you need to get out of Texas." Like, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. This and it's just like you know the Roe v. Wade thing happened. It's it's been very stressful, but there isn't like much of like a serious demand. Yeah. To leave, um, where do you see yourself? Like um, when I say like when you hit your like I mean prime. you're already doing girl you're already in your prime. I it's have just, not even hit my prime. Girl, listen, <laughs> every year, every moment, every time you do something new, that is a prime. Oh, period. And you're I finna love that. and you're finna you're gonna keep you're gonna keep going up for mm-hmm. sure. You know, like I, I love that. Like life is like roller coaster, definitely. Like we're gonna have our bad days, but you know, I th- I really congratulate you in saluting you on protecting your mental health in this mm-hmm. type of career field because I don't think a lot of people can handle it. Exactly. I don't. I personally don't think I could handle it. Mm-hmm. I had I went to school. Um, I went to school for journalism. I wanted to be a journalist. Like I wanted to work for Times. I wanted to do all, do all these great things. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, I'm gonna take some time off after. I'm while, while I'm working. Like when I graduate, I'm gonna go to law school. Mm-hmm. And it's just that like law school. It's just. It gets everybody is like, uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe down the line. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe another life. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, you know, like, I just, th- the weight of the world and like trying to protect your mental health mm-hmm. is so important. difficult. It's, mm-hmm. it's important. And it's just like, you're in these spaces in these rooms mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And it's not even like it's not even like passive or like microaggressions and stuff. You're you're like fully like there. Mm-hmm. Like you're, y'all are having you're you're listening to the conversation. I don't know if you can tell, but I get anxious. I have really bad anxiety. No, like, like really, I can't tell. <laughs> oh, thank you. You literally, you're very graceful. Like I can't, girl. Oh. I'm getting anxiety talking to you. You're such a brain, girl. Oh, you, you're so smart. I'm like, you're I'm like, smart. I'm, I'm like, like <laughs> girl. I am a nerd. Like, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a history nerd. Not a lot of people know that, but like, I'm like obsessed with history. But when it comes to <clears throat> politics, <laughs> your girl get a little nervous. <laughs> but back, but back to, but back no, to what you were saying. No problem. But like, <laughs> but we were in this space, and like, we walked in this space. Like, all her signs are there, and this yeah. and there. I was like, oh. Oh my goodness, I missed the memo. Was I supposed to bring my signs? Like, everybody <laughs> there was for her. We yeah. later found out she was on the committee of the people that was hosting it. So we were mm-hmm. just like, okay. So um, it was us two in the room, and, like, it was probably, like, 50 people in there. And yeah. I'm getting ready to speak. And when I'm talking, I completely froze. I was like, oh. and, like, the whole room is looking at me. I'm just like, one moment. I literally walked to my seat, got my paper of notes, and I came back, and I started over, and I let them know. Like, I don't care if my voice is shivering. You're going to hear what I have to say. Like, Ooh. a lot of people would have ran out the room and never showed their face again. No. No. I went back, got my paper, I stood up again. I said, sorry, social anxiety kicked in. And then I started again. Oh, and love like, that. And I, I told that. them. And I even told them. I was like, that. I was like I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that I'm a polished politician. What you see is what you get. Like, I I'm that. someone who struggles with public speaking. I'm yes. someone who struggles with knowing the right thing the right thing to say at the right given moment and yes. so forth but that doesn't stop my drive that doesn't stop um my passion for what i'm here to do and um even after that it's just like what can like girl you're a powerful person oh thank you no like i'm not i'm not just saying that like i'm not here just like kiss ass like you're really a powerful person oh, wow. that means like a the lot. simple like social anxiety like you grab your paper and you say social anxiety kicked in let mm-hmm. them know right then and there yeah it's just yeah. like it, I think it's the I think it's the open and the honesty, and I think that's what's gonna take you further and yeah. further and further. One hundred percent. And I even said this because during this, I'm sorry to keep bringing up this campaign. Stuff, no, but you're okay. That's why you, I we, say whatever because <laughs> whoever's listening to this is gonna love this. Oh, thank They're you. They're gonna be like, okay, we, me and you are rambling. We're we're on topic, off topic, like mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> the <laughs> so a key thing that I learned in this campaign, and when I came in, I even said, and shout out to my sisters and shout out to my family and friends who kept me grounded in their support i said i would rather lose this race completely myself than to win and be morphed in something i wasn't a lot of people sell their souls yes a lot of people and this is not shade or disses or like pointing people out they were reaching out to me saying play the game just play the game like just do this and do that like i'm like i'm not like that 
I'm not yeah. I'm not like that. I don't wake up every day trying to be these people's friends. I'm not trying to be invited to the day the yearly annual Christmas dinners. Like I don't care about that. I I'm more focused on the impact than the position. And I made it clear from the get-go. That's why whenever people ask me, do I regret running or this, then the third, I would have 100% regretted it if I was not who I was coming in. Mm. If I had to change who I was, like, it's like you keep wow. telling, it's like the constant advice of like, just play the game, play the game. It's just like, no, until, until when though? Cause like some of y'all been playing the game for 10, 20 years. Like and y'all, y'all ain't even, that, you, and y'all don't even know y'all still in the game. Exactly. Like and you done lost yourself playing the game. Yes. I don't do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, like, you not doing that also, like, just shows, like, you refuse to be tokenized. Exactly. <laughs> because, like, a lot of people will really sell themselves short to be tokenized. Exactly. Because it's more so about position of power for them. A lot of these people are just trying to network to the highest position. And by any means necessary, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. My thing is, if you want to be a corrupt person, if you want to be... um I wouldn't say a horrible person, but if you want to live a life of corruption, don't take that to public seating. Take yeah. that to your personal household. Take that to yes. you and your personal yes. life. Because when you take that to public seating, everybody else is like they they have to deal with the wrath of off of your decisions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. And I feel like when you're when you're someone that's constantly playing the game, it can kind of like I don't want to say like you can like spin into like an addiction. Maybe that's like extreme to say, but it's, it's just like dangerous. You can go in there saying, I'm gonna play the game because I have like something that I'm gonna do at the end and you get trapped in that game and exactly. you can and you can never get out of it. And it gets to a point where it's just like, well maybe I should say this, but they're about to promote me. And then you exactly. just end up never ever taking care of the things that you said that you would take care exactly. of. Exactly. Real recognize real genuine people recognize yes. genuine people like they have i feel like everyday people have more respect for people who are not trying to fit in like are just trying to do what they are called to do and be the voice of the those who don't who aren't in a position to um utilize their voice like that's what it's about but these people are so obsessed with power money like all of that like not knowing like this is just temporary life when you yes. die and you stand before god you're not cutting the gates yes. of heaven because you're a state house leader yes. you're not cutting the gates because you were president or a senator yes. this is just temporary life and you have to answer to somebody one day no that's very very girl yes <laughs> everything you're saying i'm just like just like one <laughs> like just like wanting to like snap my finger mm-hmm. i just want to say like is there anything because you make like a lot of good, valid points mm-hmm. is there anything that you have to say to anyone or any little girl <coughs> like you that's probably listening to this and they're just like, I want to get into this, but I don't know what I want to do. Or mm-hmm. honestly, like even like someone my age or someone in their 30s could listen to this and just be like, dang, I wish I would have done this or mm-hmm. it's not too late for me to do this. Like what advice you would you give to someone? Shout out to my mentee, Deborah. Um, sorry, <laughs> I always got to Hey, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> but... um and Lisa too. She's one of the new. Hey ones, Lisa, so. let me, let me, <laughs> Lisa and Deborah. <laughs> but no, just like mentoring and just like always telling them that don't you don't need to ask for permission to enter these spaces that weren't created for you. Mm. Like you need to p- implement yourself in these spaces because one thing about it, two things for show, you're gonna walk out the same way you walked in, untouched. Period. So point blank. Period. It's like don't question yourself. Don't say, "Am I good enough? What if they look at me like this?" Don't do this. It's like walk in it and walk in it, ten toes down, chin up, yes, full confidence, because nobody's gonna beat your ass. Like nobody. No one. Period. Like I, I just, I don't know. I just really want women, specifically black women, who come after me to just like be your full potential self like don't feel like you have to minimize yourself in certain spaces Mm -hmm. because you feel like you may be doing too much that's something that i dealt with a lot um that's a a that's like a thing that they put on black women exactly like you're doing doing too too much much. when we're actually not doing enough we're making ourselves feel small so y'all can feel Feel good exactly so they can feel bigger they can be like that's some even now i'm just it's like I said, I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I'm still trying to, like, be yeah. the woman that I want to be or want my future kids to, like, um, look up to type stuff. And I'm still trying to transform into the best p- version yeah. of myself. Yeah. But it's just, like, certain attributes and certain stuff that I still deal with. It's just, like, not minimizing myself in spaces. Mm. It's, like, if they think you're doing too much, then so about it. Then I guess I'm doing too much. If they think I'm, like, I don't know. It's just, like, I really, really, really want women even women who are older than me, just fulfill this, like go in your space and know what you're crafted for and go 
ten toes. Like, don't allow outside voices, don't allow anybody to try to convince you that you're less than or convince you yeah. that, oh, are you sure it's possible? Or, like, put that self-doubt in you. Yeah. They're not, you're not thinking too big. They're just probably thinking too small. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. So it's, it's like one of those, but. It really is. And like when we were talking earlier, you made a comment and it was just like, I don't want to give too much away. I a hundred percent agree with that because sometimes like, I think it's really also like just piggybacking off of what you just said now is sometimes don't tell everybody your dreams or exactly. don't tell everybody what you want to do. Exactly. Because not everybody deserves to know, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. a, it's between you and God. That's a God thing. A hundred percent. And that was another thing because, like, that's why I always always try to, like, backtrack and say, oh, I'm not trying to, like, boost myself or make myself sound a certain way. But, like, whenever there's been times where I know when someone is asking me what I'm doing in a form of competition. They look at me yeah. as competition. They want your energy. Or, exactly. Or they want to know what I'm doing to compare it to where they're currently at. Yeah. Or they want to know what I'm doing to say, like... I, re- I remember when I said I wasn't going straight into law school. I know at least three people that were probably they were silently like, happy. Oh, yes. Yes. Girl, why? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, she's not going to beat me this time. Exactly. Let, but let me, let, me, let me text back and be like, girls, Girl, why? Exactly. <laughs> and in their head, like, they don't know I know. And I, yes. I'm, it's going to be kept like that. But it's just like, they're like, you have people around you who secretly are preying on your downfall. downfall. Yep. Like, they're insecure. They project their insecurities of where mm-hmm. they're at, and they want to see you fail. Mm-hmm. They would rather see anybody else but you. Yes. That's, that's why I'm saying stay thing. grounded in your, that's why I just stay grounded in my faith and my creator. And, like, ugh, that's the, the honestly, for what, I don't know. Like, God, it's, God, he just kept, he keep me going. Like, I told you, like, this podcast, like, I understand, like, it's, like, a Dallas thing, but you, I told you, like, you are, this is, you already made it. Like, you already made it. We're figuring it it out. No, see, don't even (laughs) doubt yourself. Like, tell you, like, you got to thank God in advance. Be like, thank Thank you, God. Yes, thank you, God. Like, you are, you already made it. This is going, this is, this is it. Thank you, girl. This is it. I appreciate that. Do you have any last comments you want to say? Any last comments? Oh man! No, what's what's upcoming? I was gonna say no, no, girl. Girl, we gonna. It's been an hour and a half. It's been an hour and a half. It's okay though because listen, (laughs) we're probably gonna have you back on here again. Oh, period. Like I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Anything upcoming that we need to look for for you? Because I think that maybe you should have like a little campaign party or something, or maybe maybe, I don't know. Do we have do we have anything Mm. upcoming? I'm gonna talk to you about that afterwards. Okay, but but um, honestly, what's what's next for me is bigger than what my mind can even currently imagine right now so it's Mm. just like if there's something if there's not like i don't know it's honestly i just go day by day nothing that i'm specifically planning yeah which in within like the next month or so but like i don't know just follow me on my social media um uduak for texas and yeah (laughs) <laughs> I'm the baddie with the brains. <laughs> no, no, she really is though. Like I literally saw you on the pictures and I saw you in person and I was just like, is this a supermodel? You know what I mean? I'll I'm not stop. even I'm not kidding. I'm not even told her told her five times when I came here. Wow. Even the even the girl that's out here helping us just like, wow, you're pretty. <laughs> but thank you so much y'all please be on the lookout for this trailblazer hopefully when you get big you remember me to invite me back (laughs) are you serious (laughs) you better remember me when you write this best-selling book you also better remember me when you i don't know maybe become president of the united states i don't i don't know like just you know please just let me hop on the plane or at least invite me to the white house i want to no, you i want to come to one of the little christmas parties y'all be having i got I, you i'll be having them over there i love this for you i know i say this a lot i just love this for you the space you're creating for people like me to like come here and be comfortable and express like how we're feeling what we go through and everything like that like this is it like Trust me, this is it. Thank you, girl. Look out for our girl. I'll be sure to drop her IG handles and have a good one. Thank y'all. Toodles.